This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Involved in this, I'm just saying. I'm actually, I'm actually the smarter of the two of us. All I, right. I, people think that Mallory makes me talk, that I actually make her talk. All right. Uh, that may be true. <laughs> Mallory Lewis and Lamb Chop. Thank you and both very much. shout out to Allison Hope Weiner, one of your producers. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah, why didn't Lamb Chop do that? My goodness, if you're going to give a shout out. A shout out to Allison, who <laughs> oh, was Mallory's roommate in college. <laughs> She'll never tell. Thanks for watching. That does it for us tonight. Thank you so much. Starts now. to have you here. It is Tuesday. I had to remind myself that it was Tuesday because I felt like it's already Thursday. It's been that kind of a week. And I'll tell you why it's been that kind of a week, because it's been a busy day. This was premiere day for Crime Nation. Did you see it? Don't worry if you didn't. I got your back. But next Tuesday night, you'll see it on the CW Network. Tonight was the premiere of our big two-hour deep dive on the Delphi murders. Um, when Abigail Williams and Liberty German went hiking seven years ago, as little young teenagers do, at age 13 and 14, they couldn't possibly have known it would be their last day on earth and they couldn't possibly have known that I would sign on this show tonight and say those girls would be 20 years old and 21 years old. Think about that for a minute. We don't have justice for those girls yet. And they might be graduating college. So tonight, We've got some big breaks in this case. Yes, there's someone behind bars awaiting trial in the fall, but do we have the right guy? When you hear what we've been able to uncover on Crime Nation, and now we are reporting on News Nation, you might completely change your mind about this case. That's coming in a hot minute, and guess who's here to do it with me? One Brian Enton. I know you're not going anywhere now. Okay, so then there's this murder we reported on on Friday. Shorthand, we call it the leggings murder because a woman was found so brutalized in her hotel room in Manhattan um, that this image became iconic for the murder. He's wearing her leggings in that picture. Again, this man, who is thought to be the killer, is wearing his victim's leggings, having left her in a bloody mess in a hotel room, killed her with an iron. Brutalized her so badly, the iron was damaged. Turns out they, uh, they arrested this guy. They thought they got a carjacker. And now we may, we may have a serial killer on our hands. I'm going to tell you all about it, what he told police, the allegations now against him, all that coming up in a moment. And then remember Ruby Frankie. Hmm. She was that mom influencer who liked to tell us all how to raise our kids, like, spare the rod and then some, she's not going to be telling anyone anything anytime soon about child rearing. She's going to be watching her six because she just got sentenced today. Here's the weird part. 
She bawled her eyes out in court. I'm going to take you in there in a minute, and you'll hear just how remorseful she sounded and the things that she said and how apologetic she was to her kids. Her partner, on the other hand, had a whole other take of the kind of speech you give at sentencing. So how do you think that worked out for both of them? You think one of them, because of the remorse and all that, got a lighter sentence than the other one who was like, a line or two, see you later, bye? Let me just tell you this. Don't go away till you hear. Because me, after all the, I'm jaded, all these years in crime and justice, I'm jaded. I was surprised. So how about we start here, shall we? Seems kind of strange to even think about pumping the brakes on a double murder case that has gone nowhere for five long years. And then it went somewhere. But the so-called Delphi murders are finally on a fast track to trial this fall. The trouble is, there are a lot more loose ends than we thought in the Delphi case. If you're getting up to speed on this, Delphi is the Indiana town where 13-year-old Abigail Williams and 14-year-old Liberty German were murdered back in 2017 while hiking near an abandoned railway bridge. It's hard to believe that Abby would be 20. Libby would be 21 today. But it took until 2022 for authorities to make an arrest in their case. And Richard Allen, a longtime Delphi resident and a pharmacy tech at the local CVS, ended up jailed without bond. He's the one who's going to be tried in the fall. They say that he is the mysterious bridge guy. The man who was seen near the bridge at the same time that Abby and Libby were there. And supposedly, an unspent bullet that was found near their bodies came from Richard Allen's gun. But do not tell that to his lawyers, because they will tell you that that same bullet could have come from hundreds of different guns. And that brings me to some of the other loose ends that are just hanging in this case. Richard Allen's lawyers were kicked off of his case after some crime scene photos, pretty grisly photos, were leaked from their own lawyer offices. But within a few months, the state Supreme Court uh, did a big reversal and ordered them reinstated on the case. Fast forward to now, and prosecutors are once again at odds accusing those lawyers of mishandling evidence and violating a gag order. And they are trying to get those lawyers cited for contempt of court. Got a hearing set for next week. Uh, But the murder itself, that trial, is set for October. And sure to be a star witness in that trial is this little itty-bitty tiny snippet of video. It was video that one of the girls had the wherewithal to capture on her cell phone before she was murdered. You have probably seen it before. You could probably even quote it. It says, guys, down the hill. Authorities say that is Richard Allen ordering those girls down the hill. But in a stunning interview from tonight's premiere episode of Crime Nation on the CW Network, a voice that we have never heard before says the authorities have it wrong. That's not Richard Allen at all, she says. And she is dead set that she knows whose voice it is. Her name is Connie Dillman, and she once dated the man who owned the property where those girls were found dead. His name was Ron Logan. And he was briefly considered a person of interest. And when Connie saw that down the hill video, she instantly had a very different reaction from literally everybody else. I remember him from the inside edition. 
Liberty German shot this chilling image of the killer approaching the girls on a hiking trail, and she recorded the killer's voice. What do you hear on there? Nothing that I recognize at all. No one. I, I don't. Uh, I don't recognize the voice at all. Wow. That's your voice. And I heard that voice of down the hill. Thousands of times, it's Ron Logan saying, down the hill. And I called. I called the tip line. Joining me now, uh, News Nation senior national correspondent Brian Enton. So Connie Dillman seems so confident about this. Like, what else makes her think that it's her ex-boyfriend who's the killer. Yeah, this was a big moment tonight, Ashley. We've never heard from Connie Dillman before. This is all brand new. Um, so this is this is uh, something we've never, never heard before. And let's also not forget in all this that Ron Logan is dead, by the way, for people who are following along. He died of COVID. Um, but she basically says that he is a bad man, that he is a violent man, that she thinks that he did it, that he was violent with her in the past. And, and as you heard in that clip, that when he when she heard that voice, she thought right away that it was Ron Logan. Uh, listen to a little more of what she said for the first time tonight uh, about what kind of man this is. Ron's property was right next to Monon High Bridge. He had some pasture, he had some goats, and the horses. I moved in with him for a while, and it, it didn't really work out very well. He was controlling with me. I had to keep the house tidy and couldn't lay down on the couch. It just had to be the way he wanted it. But he wanted me there. It, it goes a little bit further than um, me in his life. He's I've pretty much a sex tool. Can we stop? Can we? Yeah, yeah, we can stop. Okay. myself and when I did get away he would always draw me back one day he had been working on um, putting a new door on the basement cellar and I said I wanted to break it off with him and out of the blue he hit me over the head with the crescent wrench and I remember taking off running do my vehicle and I remember falling to the ground and I was afraid he was going to hit me again so I was able to get on my hands and knees and I crawled away I got to my vehicle and I was able to to leave and then I felt the blood running down my face I barely remember the drive to the doctor's office, which is only a few miles to Delphi and I had um, seven steeples put in my head. But I actually went to my sister's after that. I'm lucky 
I got out of that situation, but it took a long time. It really is stunning to hear her tell that story for the first time. She's obviously very, very emotional. And again, she feels confident, Connie does, uh, that the wrong guy may be locked up, which is which is pretty startling to think about. Not only that, but Ron Logan had kind of a weird alibi. And from what I remember seven years ago, I didn't really check out. So weird. Um, so he claimed to police that he was going to a town outside of Delphi to buy tropical fish and that he was with his cousin. Uh, but we later come to find out that when they looked into this, they talked to the cousin. The cousin didn't back that up. They were never able to 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 clear that alibi to figure out if it was true or not. Um, and, and even to this day, it seems like he lied about where he went. Pretty specific when you're you know mentioning tropical yeah. fish and easy to to track that. But this is a small community, and you know they're not used to having double homicides, especially with kids. So, uh, I mean, I've seen it happen. You know. Um, all right. So, what about the property? Like. They did look at his property. They they actually did investigate, but I feel like it might have been a long yeah. lag. They did, but it was a month after the murders. Um, so think about it. A month has gone by. There's so much that could have been done out there at that property in that time. A month. A um, month is a long time yeah. for anything. Right. Uh, to, I mean, even the weather uh, can take. Um, just, just. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes with this investigation, a lot of issues, and this is, just seems like it was another one. But, but they had an eye on him. They, they considered him a person of interest really early in the case. So why would they not have included the public and asked for tips? And that was one of the new things that came out of the show tonight was just how early on they were looking into him. I mean, now it's clear that he was a person of interest, suspect, whatever you want to call it. Um, but at the time, they were very, very quiet about it. But they were really digging into him back then and just not telling anyone why they were keeping a secret. Like you said, small town, small police force. He, he was the owner of the land. For whatever reason, they thought it was best not to go public with it. You know, what if it wasn't? I mean, in the end, they don't think it was him. They've now, you know, uh, they've got Richard they, Allen uh, on they, trial. They're going to have to answer to it. Yeah. They're, they're definitely going to have to answer to it at trial. So Delphi's small. And I think in the Crime Nation documentary, we really see how social media in particular has really pulled that town apart. But it's small enough for people to have an opinion or at least know Ron Logan. Do we know what his reputation was? Uh, not good. I mean, you heard from from Connie there. I mean, violent, a drunk is what we've heard. Would drive around drunk without a license. Um, so he, he did not have a good reputation at all. Did anyone ever say anything, though, about children and pedophilia and violence towards kids? Anything like that? Not children necessarily, but you heard Connie. I mean, the way she described yeah. what she went through in that attack. And some people might say, well, why didn't you go to the police sooner? Well... You know, you're on your victim in that kind of a situation with a dangerous man in a small town. It's easier said than done. There are a million reasons why domestic violence women uh, run and hide. Of course. Instead of come forward and put themselves in sometimes greater risk of death, actually, that that can happen. Um, boy, was that ever a great... Uh, I mean, I, I was working on it with you, so yeah. I can honestly say that we loved doing that work and we're really proud. And it's every uh, Tuesday night, yeah. 8, 7 Central on the CW. Check your local listings. Um, but it's really good to have you aboard doing It's it an honor me. to do anything with you. So, I, I yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Right, let's do it next Tuesday. And I mean, just the <laughs> fact that, you know, seven years later, that something like this comes to the surface. It just shows, and you always have said it to me, you go back later. Wait for it. Years later, people calm down. People who didn't want to 
say things are suddenly comfortable. Ron Logan's dead, and you've got this woman willing to speak out. I come out of the woodwork. I just wonder if now the police are going to take a second look at Connie to talk to her, get yeah. her story, another investigation, another interview. So we'll watch for that. Watch this space as well. Brian Anton, great. Thank you. Thanks, Appreciate Ash. it so much. All right, so I want to bring in now Mark Garagos. He's a criminal defense attorney, co-host of the podcast Reasonable Doubt with Adam Carolla. He is also a good friend of the show. So your hot take on this whole notion about Ron Logan and everything you heard from Connie Dillman as a defense attorney, I mean, are you salivating? What do you think about it? Well, uh, the immediate reaction is there's a concept called third party liability. If you have somebody who you believe is a uh, a good for it, a suspect, then you've got to get over the hurdle of uh, making the proffer to the judge that you want to point the finger at somebody else. This is about as good if it checks out, if the investigation checks out, um, and it it sounds like it might. This is a pretty good uh, case of third-party liability. You know, the, the fact that she's an ex cuts both ways. I often tell clients um, or... I've told you uh, that sometimes it's the ex that always will come forward and do you in, so to speak. It's also it gives fodder to somebody who wants to make an accusation that you have an axe to grind. So, you know, and in this case, you've got somebody who's passed away. And so it's easy. You know, the old expression, dead men tell no tales. But this is pretty good stuff, in especially when you combine it with the fact that he was a person of interest. And then, as you mentioned, this tropical fish, apocryphal story uh, of his so-called alibi. You don't get much better than that for third-party liability. Also, you know, you know better than anyone what it's like to talk to a jury. And there's a reason we ask people to get up on the stand. So that we can look them in the eye, hear their story, and get our gut in order about whether they're telling the truth. We all have good spidey senses, and a lot of people are not good liars. I watched her, and I felt she was very believable in, in what she was saying. So that brings me to the trial and whether we will see Connie Dillman and hear her story. Is this the kind of evidence that can be, be limited, can be actually suppressed at trial? Or will the prosecutors, um, you know, what, what will their story be? How will they how will they deal with this? Well, that's why I bring up the you're always so sharp when it, when it comes to these legal things. The I, I use the doctrine of third party liability. That is a hurdle the defense has to get over. The defense has to uh, get the judge to allow them to point the finger at somebody else to say a third party is good for it and to put on that evidence. As long as the judge allows that, then the prosecution's going to be back on their heels. But what do they do? How does the prosecution, if it does make it into trial, how does the prosecution accommodate for that? Just say she's a disgruntled? She's a disgruntled ex. I mean, that's exactly Mm. where it's. You know, and I was thinking about it, uh, Ashley, as I was watching that, you never know how these things come back to bite you. The Fonnie Willis case, for instance, when they had the Nathan Wade's ex-partner up there, you heard him on direct, you thought one thing. Then the prosecutor got up there and started talking about the accusation towards him, and that threw everything into uh, into a, a flurry. So that can happen in a trial. You'll get up there, you'll hear this Guarantee you the prosecution will do everything possible to try to discredit her because the last thing they want is somebody who is not the defendant who they've invested all their resources in up there pointing the finger and saying, well, no, actually, it's somebody else. And by the way, another reason 
which ties this all together that a jury might like that is he's now dead. And so there's no way to call him to defend himself or anything else. If you're the defense, this really makes some uh, quite a bit of sense. Yeah, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Um, We're out of time on this, but we're going to have to get you back on this particular story. I do want to ask you about the confessions that Richard Allen supposedly made on the jailhouse phone uh, to to his family member. But that's for another night. Uh, Mark Aragos, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley. Good to see you. You too, as always. And we'll be invited back. What was that? What what, what were you about to say? Congrats on Crime Nation. Hey, thanks. We're pretty proud of it. Appreciate that. We'll get you on there, too. Okay, I do want to bring on uh, one other thing before we move on, because this is a big update on one of the biggest stories that was on our radar. It actually was quite a mystery on Friday night. Who killed two people in a dorm room at the University of Colorado? Because the cops were telling us nothing. But now we know who they arrested, and it was the roommate of one of the victims. So Nicholas Jordan was a victim, uh, or excuse me, Nicholas Jordan was the roommate. He was arrested. Yesterday morning, we got these pictures, mugshot, uh, made his first court appearance, too. They say that he lived in the room where police found the bodies of Samuel Knopp, who was a fellow student and roommate, but also Celie Rain Montgomery. She was a visitor and also the mother of two young kids from Pueblo. Uh, They also say that uh, they suspected Jordan from the very start, but they didn't know where to find him. His bail has been set at a million dollars. They have still not shared with us the big question, which is why? What would the motive be? Why would a roommate gun down his roommate and a visitor all in the dorm and then go on the run? So we're waiting on that. Watch this space. And still to come on the show, they thought they had arrested a mere carjacker in Arizona. But once he started talking, the earth started shaking. Bone-chilling confessions, one after the other, of grisly attacks against women all across the country, including one brutal killing that we just reported here on Friday. A killer in New York who left the scene wearing the victim's leggings. We have full details on who he is and what he's done next. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. A new study from the Environmental Working Group says four out of five Americans have trace amounts of a new pesticide, chlormaquat, in their bodies. The report says the pesticide is widely used on grains and shows up in cereal products like Cheerios and Quaker Oats. Can pleasant and familiar smells treat depression? A study published in JAMA Open Network suggests that smells are more effective than words in queuing up a memory of a specific event and could even be used in the clinical setting to help depressed individuals get out of negative thought cycles. VPR Brands is recalling about 62,000 disposable lighters. The lighters do not have child-resistant mechanisms and were not tested to the federal regulatory requirements for child resistance. Children under 5 years old could ignite the lighters, posing a fire or burn hazard. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. 
If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt? You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit nationaldebtrelief.com to learn more and get started. nationaldebtrelief.com With journalists in more than 100 newsrooms across the country, this is News Nation, America's fastest-growing cable news network. Most of the arrows regarding U.S. farm income categories are forecasted down for this year, per USDA's outlook revealed at the recent Agricultural Outlook Forum. This is USDA economist Kerry Lakowski. Net cash farm income for calendar year 2024 is forecast at $121.7 billion. That's about a 24% decrease from 2023 in nominal dollars. Net farm income is forecast at $116.1 billion or about a 25 or 26 percent decline from 2023. She says factors behind the declining farm income includes lower cash receipts for both crop and animal products and a decrease in direct government payments as well as a rise in total production expenses. On the upside, the farm sector balance sheet remains relatively strong with farm sector assets, debt, and equity each forecast to increase in 2024 with equity for forecast to increase about 5%. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Well, it's going to be one of those days. How often have you said that to yourself? Your mind has a tremendous ability to make predictions come true. Dr. Gary Probst with a thought about the power of the mind in a moment. If you've got a property that you've been trying to sell and you've tried almost everything, I want to tell you about something that you haven't tried yet. Thousands of customers have sold their homes in any condition with need to sell my home. Did you know it's possible to sell your home right over the phone with no real estate commissions and no pesky open houses? 800-431-9667. That's 800-431-9667. 431-9667. An airline flight attendant taught me that worry causes bad things to happen. While holding a hot cup of coffee in a bumpy flight, I was spilling it all over the tray and on my hand. She told me to put the cup down on the tray and let it ride with the flight. And it worked. Our minds are like that. If we expect bad things to happen, they will. If we expect a good day, our chances are much better for having one. We already have the neural connections in our brain that will take a negative thought and run away with it. So when you bump your big toe in the bedpost and say, it's going to be one of those days, your mind will find opportunities to reinforce that thought. And the opposite is also true. If you wake up and tell yourself it's going to be a good day in spite of any issues you're dealing with, it will likely be better. So expect the best and have a good day. Just on Friday, about this horrendous murder in New York of a woman in a hotel room and a suspect who was seen really weirdly uh, leaving. That's the picture. He is wearing her leggings after the murder. Apparently, he'd left his own pants behind because they were so soaked in her blood that would have drawn attention, like wearing a woman's leggings after a murder doesn't draw attention. Um, The weapon was also a real brand in this uh, killing. It was an iron, and the attack was so violent that the iron was badly broken. Tonight, we have an arrest report and quite possibly the end of a one-man cross-country crime spree. 26-year-old Ra'ad Al-Mansouri was picked up in the city of Surprise, Arizona, and that is a long way away from Manhattan. Here is Joe Kenny, 
New York's chief of detectives today at a press conference. We are currently working with our partners in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to arrange extradition back to New York City so he can be charged for the homicide here. We are also working with the FBI and their violent criminal apprehension program to explore the possibility of discovering additional victims as the subject told Arizona cops that he hurt three additional girls in Florida. Al-Mansouri was arrested after allegedly confronting a woman in a McDonald's restroom, stabbing her and then driving off in a stolen car. And while he was being questioned, he allegedly said he'd stabbed a woman in Phoenix the day before while trying to carjack her outside of a Starbucks. And then he told detectives that he, uh, they might want to Google the Soho 54 Hotel. And you guessed it, that's the leggings killing, where the body of Denise Olias Arancibia was discovered on February 8th. She'd been beaten to death with that iron, parts of which were still embedded in her skull. This is where I turn to News Nation national correspondent Caitlin Becker, who's been following this story. There, there is some unbelievable detail to this. But first, let's just start with this. Did we just have a serial killer fall into our laps? It's very possible, Ashley. Police and the FBI are looking into the possibility that this individual could be connected to many, many crimes. I think at a minimum, we could be looking at an alleged career criminal. Beyond that, maybe an alleged career predator. But serial killer is certainly a possibility. So when I saw these details in Arizona of the, the different attacks. Just just run through what, what happened to the, to the women in Arizona, specifically. The, the details are astounding. It's really disturbing. So this is in the middle of the day. A McDonald's employee was followed into the bathroom at McDonald's, allegedly by this man, Rod, who followed her into the bathroom. She tried to protect herself by barricading herself inside of a locked stall. Police say he pounded on the stall door, and when she didn't open it, he allegedly crawled underneath of the stall door, held her at gunpoint, and when she screamed, she was stabbed multiple times. He then fled the scene in a stolen car and was picked up and arrested a she, few time later. She lived. She lived. Actually, Thank both God. of these victims are expected to survive, which is a miracle. And when he was in custody, he allegedly admitted to a stabbing just a day prior in a nearby city in Phoenix, where he allegedly tried to steal a woman's car and stabbed her in the process of this carjacking in progress. That's the one outside the Starbucks? That's the one right outside the okay, Starbucks. Go back to the McDonald's one for a minute, because did he say to the police that he that his intention in that McDonald's stall was to, quote, rape her, either dead or alive. That's what police say he admitted to while in custody with them. Because, of course, my first question is, you hear carjacking, carjacking. That you can understand maybe the progression of the crime, but why follow this woman in there? And he said that that was his intention, was to rape her dead or alive because he was, quote, attracted to her. I, I, I just want to vomit when I hear that. And I can't imagine what she went through watching him come under the stall first with a gun, then bringing out uh, the knife. Again, all allegations at this point. Now he starts talking to, to the police who arrested him. Don't ask me why, but he just opens the floodgates, starts talking about what Texas and Florida Additional assaults in what's what does he have in Texas? And These Florida? are two areas, two states that he's known to have lived in, and he has an outstanding warrant for a domestic issue, according to law enforcement in Texas. And when he was in custody, he allegedly told law enforcement that he had hurt three women in Florida. And Ashley, that just kind of scratches the surface of what was going on in Florida. How was this guy loose? I mean, it looks to me 
like he's been in the system a lot and not just, you know, for petty things, dangerous, violent, horrendous things like the things that you and I worry about when we walk to a car in a parking lot. Ashley, he's actually out on bond right now for a case that's working its way through the court system in Orange County, Florida, in the Orlando area. He is wanted and charged with five felonies. And when you say serious felonies, the things we're afraid of, I've dug up the court documents today and I'm looking at them right here. Sexual battery, aggravated assault, grand theft motor vehicle, grand theft and obstructing justice. He allegedly held a sex worker, basically kidnapped and wouldn't let her go, according to law enforcement, when he had had a couple of drinks. So he was able to post bond in this case. And law enforcement said because he did this, he was allowed to leave the state. And that is what ultimately led him to New York and then from New York to Arizona. And he does have an Arizona driver's license. Well, so. or, or, Caitlin, he posted bond, he wasn't allowed to leave the state, and he went ahead and did it anyway. Well, because in, why in the not? Press conference, you know? the, in the press conference for the NYPD, they did ask that question, and the NYPD officer said in this press conference today that he posted bond and was allowed to go. Now, I don't know the specifics. I have not heard back yet from the courts in Orange County, Florida, wow. about what those bond agreement, that bond agreement was, but he's certainly in, in violation of it by having another arrest. Unbelievable. Keep uh, keep on this and let us know if this ends up being an alleged serial killer, because I think there's just so many similar kinds of crimes that are unsolved. So, Caitlin Becker, great job. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. All right. So still to come. I don't know when you want to call this a timeout, but the influencer mom who told millions of other parents how to raise their kids will not be seeing her own kids, possibly for decades, except maybe during visiting hours if they choose to come and visit her. This was sentencing day for Ruby Frankie and her accomplice in a blockbuster case of felony child abuse. We're going to take you inside the courtroom for a comparison. Who got what and how did they try to avoid jail time? It's pretty bizarre. And it's next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system be sentenced for brutalizing your own kids, it is not the worst idea to show a little remorse. But if Ruby Frankie thought that her performance in court today would get her a pass from the judge, will you be the judge? For the past four years, I've chosen to follow counsel and guidance that has led me into a dark delusion. My distorted version of reality went largely unchecked as I would isolate from anyone who challenged me to my babies. My six little chicks, you were a part of me. I was the mama duck who was consistently wanting you to safety. I can see now that over the past four years, I was in a deep undercurrent that led us to danger. I remember launching into darkness knowingly. I was so disoriented. But I believe dark was light and light was wrong. I would do anything in this world for you. My will is to sacrifice all things masterfully manipulated into something very ugly. I took from all that was soft and safe and good. 
I took from your mother. How terrifying this must have been for you. late now because as you may remember Frankie was arrested along with her so-called mentor that's the lady on the right Jody Hildebrand almost six months ago after Frankie's 12 year old son ran from Hildebrand's house in Utah begging the neighbors for help he was emaciated he had open wounds and duct tape on his wrists and his ankles I think you can call that abuse Today in court, the prosecutor compared the conditions under which that child and his little sister were being held to a concentration camp. He said their mother, who has six kids in all, denied her youngest two kids food, water, even beds. In December, Frankie and Hildebrandt both pleaded guilty to four counts of second-degree aggravated child abuse. And here's what Judge John Walton had to say to Hildebrandt before passing sentence. In this case, you terrorize children, and the results have been tragic. It's what happened to these children and your philosophy in dealing with them, frankly, seems detached from reality or any objective standard of decency or, or even common sense. Even common sense. I'm joined uh, by someone now who has a lot of common sense about stuff like this. Lauren Mathias was a reporter in Southern Utah and now hosts the Hidden True Crime podcast. Lauren, you know, normally part of sentencing requires you to be um, contrite, admit what you did, be apologetic, want to make good. It can go a long way to reducing your sentence. So, so that's what happened with Ruby cried, apologized, begged forgiveness. Jody, on the other hand, was like a sentence and a half, uh, really not saying much about being apologetic. So how did that work out for both of them? Yeah, you know, Jody, uh, Jody had a moment. Uh, her attorney says, okay, she, she has a statement, and she said that she loved the children, loved the children, hopes that they heal, and wishes them a good life. Never a nice sorry, never a sorry, never this is my fault. Never anything to show, hey, you know what? I take responsibility. And that's exactly what the, the judge stated there, that she had given nothing to say that she takes responsibility and yet still claims that she's a victim. It was a jaw-dropping moment to hear Jody Hildebrandt sit there and say she loved these children that she abused and then to say she wishes them a good life without once saying, and you know what? I'm sorry. So... One to 15 years on each count. There's four counts. So if you do the math, that would be 60 years to run consecutively, one after the other, not together concurrently, but there's a cap, as I understand it. So that's 30 years. So somewhere between four and 30 years, they both got the same sentence. That's surprising to me. What was the reaction in court? It, it was, it was, you know, it was validating to know that they got consecutive, right? To know that it was going to be back to back. But I think it was very clear that the judge and other people were being harder on Jody Hildebrandt for not having that remorse. They kept noting that. The judge kept saying, you know what? You haven't shown that you feel bad about this, where Ruby has shown that she has remorse. And so I think that 
when it actually comes down from, from the Board of Pardons, we're going to actually see a different sentencing. I wouldn't be surprised if Jody gets much longer. They've also pointed out that she is the therapist. She was in charge. She was in this position of power, despite Ruby being a mother on YouTube. Never mind that. But what they pointed out was that Jody had uh, a big responsibility. And there's always that issue. You are the mother. You're the parent. You're supposed to be the protector. It's even worse when you do it. Uh, Lauren Mathias, thanks for covering this for us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ash. Coming up, it is customary after a life sentence is handed down for the rest of us to move on with our lives and do our level best to forget that inmate ever lived in the first place. And that's what we actually thought might happen with Lori Vallow after she was convicted of killing her two kids and her husband's first wife. But as it turns out, the Lori story has an Arizona edition. And her next murder case, yes, I said next, it has quite a twist. I got the full details next. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt? You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit NationalDebtRelief.com to learn more and get started. NationalDebtRelief.com. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest thing. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Dad, can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. No matter what, people need what you bring them. But sometimes a choice has to be made. You can make a safe one. Always expect a train. Know that trains can run on any track at any time in either direction. Understand that trains are faster and quieter than you think. You can stop track tragedies. Never try to beat a train. You are more important than your packages. See tracks? Think train. For more information, go to OLI.org. You're listening to News Nation on the Go. Available 24 7 in the News Nation app. Or just say, Alexa, play News Nation. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. 
Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. At First Tee, we are building game changers. We believe all kids deserve to feel excited to grow, safe to fail, and better equipped for whatever comes at them next. We do this by helping them develop their golf swing, but more importantly, their inner strength. First Tee coaches help young people ages 7 to 18 navigate the course, as well as guide them through new challenges in life. Because we know what's inside doesn't just count, it changes the game. Learn more at firsttee.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time As in Spaghetti Sandwiches for Dinner They're my fave Dad You're the GOAT You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same Visit AdoptUSKids.org Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council you know the 80s. Oh, yeah. Neon colored everything. Shoulder pads like a linebacker. Plutonium powering your DeLorean. The stuff works. Moonwalk <laughs> through the 80s and 90s on Rewind TV. It's a totally outstanding television network that's free over the air or on cable. This is a big deal. Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. Have the most current glamour shot of Lori, courtesy of the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office in Arizona. They are the host for Lori during the duration of her upcoming murder trial. And if it feels like deja vu all over again, it is. Kind of. Uh, this trial is for conspiracy to commit murder and attempted murder. Police say the targets were her ex-husband, Charles Vallow, and another man, Brandon Boudreau. Uh, Brandon Boudreau is her niece's ex-husband because her niece was going through a divorce, so... Murder? Charles was killed. Brandon survived after being shot at several times. And yes, you are right. Lori's story seemed like it ended in Idaho when she was found guilty of murdering her two kids, Tylee and JJ, and her fifth husband's late wife. She is serving life, no parole for those murders, but now she's in Arizona for round two. So get a drink. And quickly, here are some key dates uh, for Lori coming up. Tomorrow, she's going to appear for something called a complex case scheduling hearing. Uh, Fancy for housekeeping. Uh, But the lawyers are going to be there, the judge is going to be there, and Lori is going to be there. Uh, And then on July 25th, something called, uh, fancy name again, a trial management conference. Then the judge has set a start date for Lori's trial. It's August 1st. But it is supposed to be wrapped by September 2nd, so that's actually pretty quick. And a lot can happen between then and now, so you're going to have to just watch this space. I will keep you on track. In the meantime, how did we even get here? If you know the whole Lori story, then you know it all started with Lori's insatiable desire to collect ex-husbands. Husband number one came along when Lori was just 19. Three years and one divorce later, Lori got married again and Lori divorced again all inside one year. This marriage produced a child, a son named Colby. 
Marriage number three to a Texas businessman named Joe Ryan, that lasted three years. That was the longest one yet. And this one produced another child, Ty Lee, who wouldn't live to see her 17th birthday. Husband number four was Charles Vallow, who had two children from a previous marriage. Lori and Charles were together an unprecedented 14 years, during which they adopted his two-year-old great-nephew, Joshua Jackson, whom the family called JJ. Lori would later call him and his big sister, Ty Lee, zombies. Charles looked at his wife's increasingly unhinged religious beliefs with concern and then with alarm. Charles called the police. What did she say yesterday? She said, you're not Charles. I don't know who you are, what you did with Charles, but I can murder you now with my powers. In time, the couple separated. Lori, Ty Lee and JJ moved to Arizona. Charles stayed in Texas, but feared for the children and so filed a mental health petition with Arizona police. He wanted Lori committed. She wasn't. Then he filed for divorce. In 2019, July, Charles went to Lori's house for a visit and Lori's brother, Alex, shot him dead. The same brother, Alex, who a decade earlier had tased and supposedly conspired to murder Lori's previous husband, Joe Ryan. Ryan, incidentally, had passed away of a heart attack the year before Charles Vallow died in 2018, and no foul play was suspected. Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow met face-to-face for the first time in the fall of 2018 at a gathering in Utah of a group called Preparing a People. Some have called it a cult. Chad reportedly told his attractive and eager disciple they'd shared many past lives. Their future life together was ordained, or so they believed. But the non-believers, the zombies, those supposedly possessed of dark spirits, would allegedly have to be dealt with. And Charles Vallow was at the top of that list. Lori moved herself, Ty Lee, and JJ to Rexburg, Idaho, where Chad Daybell lived with his wife, Tammy Daybell, a school librarian. Tammy Daybell passed away in her sleep on the night of October 19th. She'd been in poor health, they said, and when the coroner said her death appeared natural, her children believed it. Her body was exhumed, an autopsy done, and the reported conclusion was homicide, asphyxiation. Tammy had likely been smothered. And though Alex Cox would never be connected with that death, the very next day, Uncle Alex was back in the headlines with his own death. He dropped dead in the house he was sharing in Arizona with his bride of two weeks. His autopsy showed blood clots in his lungs. No foul play. No foul play. But a grand jury was so convinced that Alex Cox planned out the killing of Charles Vallow that they indicted Lori in the planning too. And the trial date, August 1st, scheduling hearing tomorrow. So you'll be here tomorrow to hear what happens in the court tomorrow. And coming up right now, try to imagine the very lowest depth that a petty crook will sink to to steal a few bucks. Taking candy from a baby? Close. Watch this guy as he's about to grab something from the table. Those are Girl Scouts selling cookies at a Walmart hit by a real life cookie monster. I'm going to tell you what he ran off with and I'm going to show you the face of a true coward in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A lot of no good, very bad crimes on this show, but there is a special place in hell for a guy who steals from the Girl Scouts. Behold the surveillance video from a Walmart in Fort Worth, Texas, and keep an eye on the guy in the gray hoodie. He snatches a bag of money from a table where the Girl Scouts were selling cookies, as they do every time this year, right? Every year at this time, Girl Scouts, poof, the money's gone. Broad daylight in front of all those people, and in that bag, about $450 worth of sales. What kind of cookie monster would rip off the Girl Scouts? This kind. Here's a close look at the guy, just before he snatched the money. And police in Fort Worth are asking you, the public, anybody who sees this, knows this guy, please call. It would be honestly such sweet revenge knowing that the only cookies that this guy's going to be eating, he'll have to buy from the jail commissary. And good luck making those commissary cakes. They suck. Thanks for watching tonight. It's been nice to have you here with me. Stick around. Cuomo is coming up next. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. We have breaking news on our watch. Russia just arrested a young ballerina from Los Angeles. Why? Donating to a Ukraine charity. 50 bucks. The charges? High treason. The Biden administration gives a strong warning. Not to Putin, but to Americans in Russia, telling them to get out now. Trump says nothing. What is going on? We have a Russia-U.S. relations expert about what this means and what is... When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.